Hello and welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On Wisco Legacy, I talk to interesting, inspiring, and successful people from the great state of Wisconsin and hear all about their journey. You can find me on all the podcast platforms. I also have a video version of each podcast on YouTube. You can follow me along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I also have a website, wiscolegacy.com. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, I'm country recording artist and singer-songwriter Kirstie Krause, and this is my Wisco Legacy. Uh, welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On today's episode, we have Kirstie Krause. Kirstie is a singer-songwriter based in Nashville. She's originally from Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome to Wisco Legacy, Kirstie. Thank you so much, Corey. It's so good to be here, especially when you're from Wisconsin. We stick together and we lift each other up. So I'm really happy to be here today. Great, thanks. So we're going to take it from the beginning. We're going to talk about your childhood. You grew up in, in Janesville. You were there for a lot of your childhood. What were you like as a kid? Did, were you into singing? Were you into school, sports? What was that like? Yeah, good old Jane's Vegas. So I don't know if you've heard that term or any, every yeah. time I say that people laugh, but um, Janesville, all my, all my family was there, all my extended family, my cousins, my grandparents. Um, so on Sundays we'd go to church and then we'd go out to eat afterwards. We pretty much had, you know, reserved pews for our family. It was very, I got to go to my cousin's Babe Ruth games, things like that. Uh, we we're very family oriented, uh, but I've always been, a really, really outgoing human. And from the time I could talk, I was talking a lot, I guess, holding conversations with people in the grocery store at two and like jumping up on picnic tables and taking requests in like a very raspy voice and then pointing and telling people to clap. So that was, I'm sure you can imagine, uh, I mean, we knew each other in college and I was still obnoxious then. I've grown a little bit more out of it, but as a, as a child, uh, I was a, so I was a handful for sure. Probably gave my parents a lot of gray hairs, but uh, always singing. I started doing plays, everything you can think of, national anthems, uh, dance, piano, all at like six years old. And it just kept going from there. I, I saw somewhere where you wrote when you were six years old that you wanted to be a singer. Talk about that. I'm so glad you saw that. Yeah, I like jerts. I, I, I can draw now, but at, at that age, I think it was like it was six or seven says when I grow up, I want to be, and I put a singer and I couldn't even spell it. Right. But I just like knew that that's what I love to do. I think, you know, going to Craig high school and watching uh, the high school play and being on the edge of my seat the whole time and just watching my parents are like, this is not her normally. So they would literally put on like VHS tapes of like kids sing along, Joni Bartels, all of this like, you know, age appropriate stuff. And I would just soak it in like a sponge. So that's, I think I just knew my calling at a really early age. And I always knew that every decision I made um, from then on would be just to get to the overall goal of being able to perform and do music full-time. A lot of people don't pursue their childhood dreams. I know when I was a kid, uh, I remember filling out those same papers and it was a firefighter, police officer, teacher. I don't do any of that stuff right now. Um, so it's really great that you're able to, to go through and pursue your dream. Uh, we'll dive, dive into that a little bit later, but I want to talk about uh, what Janesville really meant to you growing up. Janesville 
I'm, I'm really proud to be from that community. They do so much there. One, there's 12 elementary schools that come together and every elementary school is named after a president. And I feel like that fact alone just tells you how forward Janesville is in thinking of shaping the youth. Like I'm, I, I'm not getting paid for this. I swear. It's just like YMCA to Girl Scout softball to like you, you're into sports and you can be in plays. There's community theater. There was two different community theaters I was a part of. There just was so many things to be a part of and lots of community events. And um, I definitely kept very, very busy trying it all from every single sport there was to you know, to music related stuff. So I'm in just the fact, like I grew up right next to uh, when Kennedy elementary school was built uh, right in Janesville. And we had this neighborhood of kids that were all around the same age. And all we did was play outside, like whether it was hide and go seek tag or flashlight tag or kick the can whatever we called it at the time, it was just something outside riding around on our big wheels, making fake ice cream uh, with snow. I mean, it's just, I swear I had one of the best childhoods and I had a little, you know, I have a little sister and her and I were always, always playing with the neighbor kids. Small town, Wisconsin. You gotta, gotta have that all over. Uh, It is so much. (laughs) Yeah. So you spent a lot of your time in Janesville, but you also uh, moved up to De Pere, uh for high school. Uh, what was what was into the move there? And uh, can you talk about the De Pere area? Okay, so this is always funny to explain to people. Like I lived in Janesville and moved up to De Pere. My dad got a job opportunity, so I found out within like two months before of us leaving. And I was thirteen. I was in seventh grade. It was a very weird time to tell my friends that I'm moving. And at the time, because I was, I did a lot of like voice impressions and funny things. Um, they thought I was joking. They're like, okay, you're taking this too far. Like you're not moving. And I was like, no, I'm moving to this place. Uh, we ended up choosing to peer because I knew one individual up there. Um, and anyone who knows those two cities would know like in Janesville, it was cool to have a trampoline, you know, and in De Pere, they had like cottages and and tubing and boats and so many things and so it was it was definitely a culture shock and they were very much oriented around sports so at the time I had only played Girl Scout softball so then I was like okay I'm gonna be a runner like now I'm a runner you know like what that's my thing I guess Mm -hmm. like track and cross country and so I moved kind of into that because that was my like sport volleyball definitely did not work out in De Pere. Um, but, uh, yeah. So it was, it was a very big difference. And I remember being very nervous and I was quiet for all of two weeks. And in hindsight, at the time I was so sad. I wanted to go to Craig so bad. And when we moved to De Pere and now looking back, I'm like really thankful. It taught me to be true to myself and no matter what environment you're in and as much as how different the two cities are, Wisconsin people are all the same. You know, we, we talk about sports and we regurgitate what we heard on the TV of about, about whatever games coming on and, and just back and forth. And I, I love it. I love it. It makes me 
even just talking about this right now, it makes me miss, miss home, but I'm going up there in November, but yeah, yeah. that's, that was shocking. And, and I just kind of found my footing in definitely in, in running and just staying involved and um, doing plays and yeah. Yeah. It's great that you have that experience of uh, moving at, you know, that's a tough age to move, like you said, uh, but you were, you moved away, you found success up there. And then later on in life, you ended up making a big change, moving to Nashville. Uh, so, you know, having all those big changes in your life that might've actually prepared you a little bit for your move to Nashville. It totally did. And you know, that many more people because mm-hmm. of moving, you know, so as scary as it was, it was like making more lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So after high school, you went to Edgewood College. So did I. Uh, I really enjoyed my time there. Small, uh, small school in Madison. What went into the decision to go to Edgewood? I loved the location and I loved the size. And I loved the campus is beautiful. It definitely felt like a small community. I knew that I was going to be able to raise my hand and participate in classes, which is something that I, I like that humanization of it as, as part of learning. I like being an active learner. So, uh, of course, like UW was just, it was just off the table for me. I knew that I wanted to do, get a business degree and be able to talk to people and do music. So, uh, I really looked at Edgewood as having the best of both a small private school being in the heart of Madison. And oftentimes I did take the bus downtown and went to college library and hung out with people that I knew that went to Madison, but also when I wanted to like focus on my studies and have that small community, I could be right in Edgewood's campus. And as you know, I practically like lived down in the cab room and got really involved in the campus activities board and all the student leadership stuff, which is how Mm -hmm. we met. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I, I loved Edgewood for that reason. And I still talk to like girls that I met in college. That's like my core group of friends. Yeah. Edgewood for me, I'm very similar in you. I don't know if I would have succeeded in a big lecture hall. I needed to have that, you know, close relationship, you know, small classes. I think the biggest class I ever had was like 40 students. Yeah. So it was, it's, it was a perfect environment uh, for me too. Absolutely. Literally like the Dean of business will still email me to my personal email and we'll chat back and forth. Like Mm -hmm. he'll send me a book that I might be interested in or what, and that's not heard of. I've met uh, old, you know, old professors. I've met them across town when I was in town for like lunch and mm-hmm. you would definitely not get that at a bigger, a bigger campus. So it just, it definitely felt like home. I spent my summers there ever since I moved and moved in and went to Edgewood. I spent every summer in Madison. So it really became my home pretty much every dorm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you mentioned uh, the business school. Uh, what, what did you major in and why did you choose that? I majored in business with marketing emphasis. Uh, To me, I find marketing, it's a whole beast. I mean, you can continue to study it for your entire life, especially with all the changes in the analytics and social media. But I just find that and the way people's brains work and how you market to them uh, very, very interesting. And I, I feel like no matter what type of business, whether it's a flower shop, a Wisco legacy podcast, 
your, you know, your music, it's all like small business related and you can't succeed unless you get the word out. And it's like, that's just as important um, than how you run the business. I also did think about like majoring, I was really into like processes and how businesses worked, but um, I was like, all right, that's like, that's the nerd in me. I need to just like keep it broad, keep it so I can, I can utilize this and no matter what business I put together. Yeah. I mean, you talked about all the decisions that you try to make in life were leading you to where you're at right now. And majoring in marketing is definitely a big factor in that. Your, your social media, your website is top notch. Uh, you're doing a lot of great stuff out there. So um, I'm sure so some much. of yeah, I'm sure some of the things that you learned at Edgewood uh, have definitely helped build that foundation. I I would say tremendously. Like I I have had people that I've met even in Nashville be like, oh, I've heard you. You're, I've heard your name before, and I was like, what? Where? And it, they literally said in on social media or something, you know. So mm-hmm. that means I'm doing that part right. <laughs> yeah. So you spent some time in the corporate world after college. Uh, you definitely, um, you were still singing. You created a band, Thirsty Jones. We can talk a little bit about that too. Uh, so you're doing that. You were working. Um, you talk about that balance after college. Oh my gosh. I felt like it was a lot. That was a time where I was doing, I, I took actually a year and a half off of music. And when I say off, that means I was only performing like twice a month, which mm-hmm. is not a lot to me whatsoever. That's like, that's like, and I was actually performing during that time with an artist in the Madison area called Michael Alexander and Big Whiskey. And whenever he did acoustic shows, he was having me come along and like play and sing, sing some of my songs and, and do harmonies with him. So I wasn't taking like a hiatus. I just felt like it wasn't a focal point. I was really just learning about sales, like getting on the phone, uh, handling objections and worked for a company called JT Packard, which eventually rolled into ABB. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I mean, I do not regret having a corporate job. I learned so much, not only about sales in general and, and like what I learned in school and putting that to use, but then each individual in different departments, how they wanted to be talked to and how Mm -hmm. the flow of everything happens. And I found that stuff so interesting. I did, however, conclude (laughs) we as humans make a lot of forms that don't need to necessarily exist, but I did enjoy my time in the corporate world. Uh, It just was as much as the commission checks came in, it didn't feel as gratifying uh, when, when a new sale happened or a new contract was signed. Um, and I knew that I needed to do that job for myself as, as growth, but also to prove to my parents, like, Hey guys, I can do this. It's just not what my heart is telling me where I need to be. Mm -hmm. It wasn't filling your bucket. I mean, right. It's, it sounds like it was a really great experience. You learned a lot. There's probably some lessons you learned in there that you are still kind of utilizing today, but it just wasn't filling your bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about social media and your website and stuff. Can you talk about the, um, 
the importance of social media for musicians and um, kind of that emphasis you put on that? So social media right now, like I was just out in Montana, which is like, why would you go to Montana? I wanted to celebrate my birthday out there. And so I did shows and meeting those people. If I didn't have social media or, or Instagram or even Facebook, there'd be no way for me to connect with them on that level. I'm obviously not going to give everybody my personal number. That's not, I mean, I have even like a separate number. Uh, on top of that. So it's just, it's, it's a way for me to communicate with people back and forth. Um, people have already followed up even just from coming back from Montana two days ago and, and asked like, can you send me links? Like I want to hear more. And I, I have little cards that I give out where they can scan it uh, right there and get to all my links. And so I really do utilize social media every day, like practically all day throughout the day and just, just messaging people back and, uh, keeping in touch. Like I, I messaged you right before we got on here and I had messaged a ton of people in the green Bay area today because we're going to be coming up there for in November, uh, right before I'm opening for Randy Hauser and the Dells. So we're going to make a stop in green Bay. And I was just messaging people from, from high school, from big brothers, big sisters, from all different walks of life and being like, Hey, it's been forever since I've been to your area. Like I would love for you to come out and letting you know in advance so you can line up a babysitter or make it a date night, but just come on out. I would love to see you. And without that, how would I be able to message everybody without mm -hmm. social media? There's going to be no way. Yeah. You're making, making great connections and you're putting great content out there. So that's definitely helpful. So I want to talk, I'll transition a little bit to the road to Nashville. Um, you started singing at, you know, six years old, probably a little bit younger than that. When did you really feel like you started singing and, and writing songs? Oh, geez. Okay. So when I was 11, we went to Nashville for the first time. In that trip, it was an, it was an insane trip. Not very many people. I actually haven't talked about this in interviews that, that first trip, but I met like with Diamond Rio's manager. I met Sarah Evans' manager. I went and saw Sarah Evans in concert and got to see her afterwards. I met Vince Gill on the soccer field, uh, gave him my CD. I got a CD then. Um, at the time, I, I went under Kirsty Lee, and that's still out there somewhere. I've tried to take most of it down, but I still have those uh, gems. And it was just a great first trip. And even before I was 11, I just knew that that was the path. That's eventually we're going to be moving to Nashville. So right around that time, I think it was a year later, we started looking at magnet middle schools that were music focused. Uh, but the, in Tennessee, the schools were not up to date yet. So they still had like chalkboards and they didn't. And at the time we were all transitioning to like smart boards so we're like, maybe this isn't the right time yet. And so the even conversations about Nashville were happening, happening then. Um, I started making more frequent trips when I was 15. Uh, I started songwriting, um, dabbling in it before, but then with mentors when I was 12. And then I started doing trips to Nashville when I was 15 and writing with people and just on top of it with, with mentors playing writer's rounds and just like getting my feet kind of into the city, figuring out how it, how it worked out. So 
Nashville was always going to be a destination. It was always going to be home for me. I just wanted it to be the right timing. I didn't want to come to Nashville and still have some growing up to do still having like, just, I, I, frankly, I mean, we're as Wisconsinites, we are very close to our family. I think family is just so important uh, when you're from Wisconsin. And so I didn't want to move away yet. I wasn't ready. I needed to like almost have the band. You mentioned Thirsty Jones. Uh, I was in other bands. I was in um, Country Twist. And then after that, I was in Crosstown Drive, which is still rocking and rolling in the Madison area. Um, that was actually, that band was named after because I was driving from Verona to some prairie like all the way across town and I would get nice. to rehearsal and I would complain about the drive. And so they're like, we, we ended up naming the van Crosstown drive. It was super, super funny. And they're, they're still rocking and rolling. Um, and then I just, I felt like I had to create my own thing, like prove to myself that with me having all the reins and like booking the shows and choosing the music and finding my voice and figuring out what I like to cover what my sound was and writing for the record, I, I like needed that time to prepare to like be like, okay, now it's time. It's time to just put all the focus on being an artist and singing my own songs and move to Nashville to put this record together. So that was really, um, I felt like it was the right time for me to come to town and give it 110%. Yeah, I feel like you did it the right way. You built your brand here in Wisconsin. You've got a lot of great uh, followers here, and then you transition over to to Nashville. Yeah, and I I think so too. I think you know, like I just played country in the Berg in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, and having like representing not only like females or women of country, but representing my home state in that lineup with like Billy Currington, Drake White, Kit Moore. Easton Corbin and Frankie Ballard. Uh, I met the individual who way before he even thought about making that festival happen. I met him years ago. So I, it's just really cool that opportunities have come because of seeds that were planted many, many years ago. Yeah. yeah. Networking and uh, meeting people is a huge part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. So what, what was the biggest deciding factor in you hitting the road and heading to Nashville full-time? I, okay. So with the band Thirsty Jones, we were essentially like one of five or six bands that kind of played all the festivals and it was like coming up on, you know, capping off three years. And we were really, it was so much fun. The show, we, we dove into like blues, we dove into rock. Uh, we did a lot of, just outside of the box stuff and yet people were digging it and then we did like 12 to 14 originals in any given night uh, and so I slowly was transitioning instead of just Thirsty Jones saying Kirsty Krause and Thirsty Jones kind of like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts mm -hmm. if you will like slowly being like hey you know these are my songs that we're singing like this is the band didn't write I'm like I wrote them for the band to play. And uh, I, so it was very calculated after a long time. Um, but when it got to that point where I was like, all right, this next summer is going to look like the same festivals, just different beer tents. You know, like I, 
I'm having a blast, but I'm, I'm ready to conquer the next thing. Like I, like I proved to myself that in a couple of years, I can be one of the bands that play all the festivals. And that's amazing. And I was like super proud of myself, but I was like, okay, now it's time though to like conquer music city and like do my artist thing and really focus as a songwriter and having that be another avenue to, um, to make music and, and to get paid making music. Um, but yeah, I just, I just knew that it was time. It was time to take over the next, the next step. We'll move on to the next challenge. Yes. It's, it's, you know, this, this industry is a challenge. It's, it's never, it's never ending, but I I love that about it. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the, the grind of Nashville? Um, you know, you hear a lot of artists move there. Some make it, some don't, some grind out for years before they, they, um, get a big break. You talk about the grind. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is very much a grind. A lot of people say it's a 10 year town. I believe that people can do it in less. Um, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, come to Nashville and maybe they, they're just in the bars a lot. They're, they're not necessarily networking in the right places, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. still have that time to grow up. I got that part of my life out already. Like even, you know, early college, maybe before. Uh, but, you know, I, I was like ready to not do that and just, just be doing music. And uh, when you do have an alcoholic beverage, it does affect your throat. I'm sure you felt the next morning where like maybe feels differently when you're speaking. And so imagine that for a singer who literally sings every day, at least an hour, you know, it's, it's, it's not very comfortable. So I really in like the Thirsty Jones time, I, I stopped drinking. Uh, but Nashville is your net, like just taking names, putting them in spreadsheets, emails, touches, lots of, you know, if you're reaching out, be like, hey, I'm Kirsty. I would love to be on your podcast. Or, hey, I saw my friend Samantha is on this. Like, please consider me. Here's my EPK. So much of that. If you're not doing that, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it really is a sales job. It really is. You know, I, I called a bunch of people today and working on booking for Florida. And we, we as artists wear many hats. And so not only do we need to be good at the, the stage performance part, but the sales part and, and the people part and um, just, just being out there. So I would say if, if you're, if you're focused and doing all the right things, sometimes people move to Nashville and they don't maybe know what their sound is yet, or they've never been on stage with a band. So I think there's certain ways when you come in with experience to like kind of fast track and I'm going to like because I'm so excited about this I'm going to say a shameless like plug but right now I have Bird is up for song of the year for the women of country and also Thirsty is up for music video of the year for women of country so I'm just I'm voting myself every Mm -hmm. day like three times voting asking you know to vote and that's I mean it's just like I think if you go after it with 110%, you can knock down doors. Like today I was just talking with the old red about figuring out dates, uh, when to play. And 
it's just, that's a really cool regarded venue in town. And um, yeah, just trying to figure out when the next, what the next move is, the next showcase, the next shows, um, all of that stuff. Yeah, it's not a nine to five job whatsoever. You're oh, it's way more than that. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're constantly <laughs> doing uh, behind the scenes stuff that people never see. And that's what's getting you more opportunities and, and all that and getting nominated for awards. I think you undersold your award nominations a little bit. Uh, I will I will put a plug in here for you too. Um, so the, the two awards that you're nominated for, for Women of Country, there's some pretty big name artists you're up against. Yeah. I saw some... Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood, Carly Pierce. What's it yeah, like to see your name next day. to that? Oh, I couldn't even, I don't even know. It definitely is a moment where it, it puts me in a pause for a second. And is like, okay, what is life? Way cool. Like way cool. This is recognition um, for music that I feel that's on this upcoming, I put out singles, it's on this upcoming record, but I really did put my own sound into this. So when you hear it, it's not like, okay, this is a country song. Like it pushes the box. It really does. And because this is my first resume essentially in town, like my first piece of people to listen to, I wanted to do it that way. I wanted to put out my own music. I really highly respect Cam and uh, Casey Musgraves for doing it that way and sticking to their own sound. And um, I feel like whatever the next record is going to sound like or, or after, this is a stamp of what I think is is cool as far as as far as music sounding and the fact that it's getting recognized is like like it feels even better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just in the box of of the cookie cutter. Like this is country music. It's it's like my own brands. So you've played some really iconic venues down in Nashville. You got Tootsie's, Bluebird, The Listening Room. Uh, what's it like to step on, step up to those stages? Oh, I'm being nervous. Like, I don't think, you know, there, there are certain venues that you don't get nervous, but if you're doing the right shows, you always get a little like anxious, excited as if you're, you know, we talked about running. So like, as if the gun's about to go off and you're about to start the race. Like I get really really like anxious like excited and and then everything is kind of just like subconsciously running through my mind about how the show is gonna go you do a lot of like visualization so um yeah I mean the bluebird was a dream to say that I played the bluebird is and have so many iconic people in that small space and like have that be a check off the bucket list my huge bucket list person uh, that was an amazing night. And I remember calling my parents and when I found out I was going to be playing in April of is it 2019, right before everything happened, um, I called them up and I was like, Hey, I'm going to play the bluebird. And they're like, what date? I was like, April. Uh, and I told them the date and they're like, okay, we'll be there. Like that was no questions. They just knew what an honor it was and they were going to do whatever they needed to do to be there. And that's like, it's so cool. Yeah. Then the listening room, that listening room, like when the bluebird was shut down, just opened back up. Uh, but when that was shut down, I mean, the Carly Pierce's of the world, they were, we were all fighting to play the same place. So the fact that I got to play there uh, four times during this last like year has, has been, it's an honor. It's an honor every time. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the bluebird, 
if I'm not mistaken, uh, it sells out immediately every single day. Um, it's so hard. It, it's kind of a, it's kind of a lottery system in a way to yes. get, get in there. You have to call, like you call and it's busy and you call again and you call again and that's all morning until you get through. And then when you get through, they may have already have sold the other tickets on the other phone calls. It's very crazy how they do that. Or you stand in line for six hours just to get in. So I've been to the Bluebird as a listener uh, for one of my co-writers, Joe Sly, who's actually up in the Green Bay area. He plays uh, Joe Sly and the Smooth Operators and plays Mile of Music and all those festivals up there. He used to live in Nashville and he's long story short, he's one of my favorite co-writers. And I, I met him when I was like 15 at the NSAI chapter up in Green Bay, which is the Nashville Songwriters Association International. And so I was a part of that when I was 15 and met him. And just throughout the years, we've been writing together. So he asked me to be a guest and watch him perform at the Bluebird. And that was really, really cool. I bet to see to see someone you know up, up on there yeah. and then for you to to get that opportunity too that's just incredible yeah um so you've been in Nashville for four years now is that correct yes my anniversary because we celebrate that down here is yep. uh it was October 3rd so we just crossed over four years of being here full-time yeah can you talk about the evolution you've had through that time you know first coming to town um you probably weren't playing as much as you wanted to. It took some time to make those connections uh, even more. And now it seems like you're playing all over the place and getting a lot of opportunities on both the singing and songwriting uh, side yeah. of things. Uh, so at the time when I was moving, I really needed a break. I had just finished like 52 dates in a span of three months. So it, it averages out to like five or six shows a week. Um, and I was doing full band stuff and acoustic stuff and just primarily singing the whole, t- I was the primary singer. So when I came to Nashville, I was like ready to take a break on the vocals and, and give it a good healing, like a rest up. Um, but at the same time I was launching a Kickstarter, uh, for, for the record. And I was also, uh, demoing everything out, like figuring out what songs would be on the record what the sound would be like. And we spent a lot of time with that. It was, I will say, give yourself grace anytime you're moving far away from your family. Cause it was, I, I needed, I definitely needed time to like come into the space here and like love Nashville. I loved Nashville and it was my working city, but then moving here, it needed to be also my like my personal city, like the city that I go to the park sometimes. And, and to think about it like that, which I still am always working towards taking time, like any sort of downtime, but um, loving, like loving Nashville in that way too, and exploring the city and, and volunteering and figuring out, yeah, what, what the life outside of the industry uh, was, was like. Um, but it was, it was definitely knocked me on my ass. And I, I was having Cheerios and watching Netflix and having moments where I was like, Oh my God, I just made a huge step towards my dreams. So my internal temperature was like 
you know, of where it set on, on what I deserve towards my dreams. It was like going crazy. So I actually wrote a song about it. It's called self-sabotage and I've performed it a lot out in, out in uh, the city and in town. And some people have recognized me based on that song, which is, which is crazy, but it was just about like, it was about that. It was about adjusting uh, to that. And we did make runs. We started making, you know, we went out to Colorado, played a theater and went up to Pennsylvania and played, uh, but it was very few and far in between. It wasn't as many shows right away. It wasn't as many writers rounds. And now I feel like every day it's like, it is something. So we, it, I wasn't going as full steam. And I think what I do need to make sure to say is like, give yourself grace, give yourself that time to adjust that you're not by family, that you're not like, I didn't think it would affect me as much as it did, but it really did. Not mm -hmm. enough for me to move home. Like I knew I was going to be here. It just, it, I, there was definitely a period where I was like, what? And like the bar is here and I need to, that's the bar. Like I need to figure out how to get there, you know, and get better and focus on what I'm doing. So I can be a player in this community. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a huge leap of faith to, to head down there. And um, there's a lot of unknowns, I'm sure, going down there. But you had some connections, so that, that helped. But yeah, I mean, like, like you said, you've, um, you've seemed to be getting more opportunities throughout the years. So uh, I'm sure it's only going to grow from there. Uh, let's see. You talk about your songwriting process. I know you probably uh, do some collaborative collaborative work. You do uh, some solo work. Uh, do you prefer one or the other? Um, just kind of talk Ooh. about that songwriting process. Okay, uh, preference. I don't know. It's hard. Like obviously, it, it feels really good when you're just sitting and blah, like spitting out a song, and you put on your recorder on your phone, and you just are seeing practically in time a song. I feel like I've worked that muscle so much that like, these are all song ideas, work tapes. Um, I think they said it was, there was 780 some on here and I just, I've had this cell phone for a year. Um, so it's just uh, lots of writing. And I feel like I, I'll, anytime I get an idea, I write it down in Google docs. I'm very calculated like that. And then I will think, I have a core of people that I love to write with for me. And I know I can be like, okay, this is a great idea. I'm going to finish it myself. Or this is a great idea. I'm going to get Diane on this. I'm going to get Joe on this. So then I'll, I'll write the title of the song or what it's about. And I'll do a dash and put their name. So the next time I'm with them, I'll bring up, I'll, song ideas essentially and be like what speaks to us and what's so cool is that the day we get into a writing room with other people it's literally I mean you could have all the song you could have five ideas that you are bringing but it's how you guys are both feeling that day like you don't want to write something against your emotions uh, that would just be that would be a waste of three hours or, or two hours so um it's all it's all up in the air as far as what happens in the writing room that day. I'm happy you mentioned for other people because in this last year I've I've started writing for other artists and now I have like Canadian artists that are reaching out to me so that when they come into town they want me to write with them or for them. And I'm like, what? 
another what what is life moment yeah she's only in town for seven days like she wants to write she wants me to write with her for her like that's but that's amazing like that's that's crazy that's stuff I would dreamed about and the fact that it's just kind of organically happened I don't know if the people that I have written with have just started performing the songs in around town or or whatever but I feel like every time I write with an artist they leave happy so and they like the song and I kind of put my my stamp on it at the same time I figure out what makes them tick and what they want to write about and their thing and we kind of have a conversation and then I go okay and then I just type vigorously and then they seem to they seem to dig it so I've really enjoyed that like almost like a not only am I pleased that a song happened and it was born but but to see them pleased makes me really happy but of course there's nothing like pouring your heart out in in a song that you're just maybe not even ever going to see the light of day but but on a piece of paper. So mm-hmm. yeah, the process, the process as far as for me is very like, I'm very lyric driven person. I And I will hear the lyrics and the melody at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I will often sing them to a guitarist and have them figure out what chords will fit into my melody. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to go about writing a song. I have no idea uh, about that process, but it's <laughs> it's interesting to to hear uh, your perspective on it. Yeah, I had. Um, it's very funny because I was trying to explain to someone recently. They messaged me on Facebook and they said they were tasked to write a song, and they literally came to me to ask for advice on how to do it. And so. It was funny, like describing as like left brain as humanly possible, how to write a song when really you're using your right brain. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to describe it in left brain terms and they came back and messaged me and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Thank you so much. And I was like, okay, let me know how it goes. (laughs) Let me know if you need any help. But it was cool that they thought of me to ask like very randomly. I think it was like my gym TA from high school. Well, yeah. <laughs> again, those connections coming all, all coming it. back I to connections. It. Yeah. Uh, so, again, you're you're you've always dreamed of being an artist, uh, living in Nashville. What is it really like to be living your childhood dream? I, like I said, there's moments where I'm trying to get like I'm like emotional, but there's like there's moments where I was like, what is life? Like, what is, this is awesome. I, I can't believe this is my life. Like, and it, it happens a lot when I'm explaining it to people who aren't in the industry or who ask questions and they maybe find it fascinating that I, you know, travel the road a lot, essentially like a glorified truck driver that sets up your stuff and sings, you know, like um, it's, it's very, it's very surreal. Like I played a festival here in Tennessee called Lynchburg Music Fest. And it's the biggest uh, music festival close to Nashville. And they gave me like their sponsor was Jack Daniels because Jack Daniels is in Lynchburg. And so they gave me this top of the barrel and it's engraved and it's has my name on it. And it's just giant wooden barrel. And 
we had to hold it up, you know, to take a picture. And at the, when I'm going through the motions and being, you know, in like just on and, and talking to people, like it doesn't hit me until I like go home and I'm like, I got to find a place for this. Then it's like, wait, what? This is so cool. Like, this is my life right now. Are you kidding? Like, I, I'm finding a place for things. I don't know. I know it sounds, that's a stupid example, but I feel like there's moments where it will, it will hit me. And it will be like, what? You're like going to be a part of a songwriter's festival. Like you're in the lineup. What? Like, that's crazy. And so it, it really does make me super happy inside. It lights my whole entire being up and, and, and just gives me more fuel to uh, continue to pave my, my own way, like, like through life. And I hope one day I can be like Sheryl Crow where it's just like song after song after song and so much to listen to. Cause I feel like music is really uplifting and it can be, it can just be so powerful. So I, I just want to be able to, that's my thing to share. So I just yeah. need to continue to do it. Yeah, absolutely. With your work ethic, I feel like you're going to get there. No, there's no stopping. I don't have, I'm a lifer. That's what I always say. I'm a lifer. I'm all in for the end game. So as much as I can, I try to only go downtown a certain amount of times a week when I'm in town to do the four hour shows One, I got to pay rent, but at the same time, I need to protect my time and what I'm doing um, and making sure that I'm loving everything that I'm doing because never do I want to get in a space where it's not something that I love. Like it, it always needs to be something that I love, you know, and I want to protect that. Um, so if that means I say no to a show, it's just not the right, the right thing for, for my heart. But I definitely, um, just see this as, as the long game. Yeah. What advice would you give someone who wants to pursue their dream? It doesn't have to be, we don't have to talk about a singer moving to Nashville, but uh, everybody has a dream. What, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that would want to pursue their dream? Uh, it's so this record is called yes, you can. I mean, it's, it was a feat to, it's a big project, especially being such a uh, perfectionist. It's just be okay with, whatever space you're starting and just put it into habit, put it into motion, just do little things every day uh, towards it, whether, and you know, whether you need like visuals uh, put that in your car. So you're seeing that every day and it just make it. So it becomes a huge part of your life because I remember when it was hard for me to tell people that I was a songwriter like I felt weird about, and I feel like everybody goes through that phase where they're like, you know, I'm a voiceover artist or whatever, whatever. I run a podcast. There's mm-hmm. a part where you're like, do I tell people? Like, do it? You tell every single person that you meet what you're trying to do, what your goals are, what space you're in. Like, just own it and go after it, like with your whole heart. That's great advice. Thanks. Um, what goals do you have for the future? Um, you hoping to play the Opry, the Ryman, be on CMT? What are, what are some of your big goals? I do see CMT as a, a very close uh, future. I have 
about five contacts there. And so just looking to get them uh, the music video enough in advance and all the things uh, for them to take that on to CMT. I would love to be named the uh, next moment of country class of whatever year and play the Opry all the time. A huge goal of mine is to also get over to the UK and Germany and Ireland and everywhere in the UK and tour. I've made a lot of connections over there, especially during the pandemic. So to see that even be like doable and, and have people that have reached out and said, we can stay there and, and venues that I know about and other artists that I can play shows with. I mean, that's, I'm like, yes, I want to go to the UK. Let's make that happen. So stuff, stuff like that. I want to put out more records and uh, continue to write. I would love to be able to see a number one under my belt, uh, whether it's me or somebody else that has recorded my song. And yeah, yeah, I'm just, just excited for it all. Getting a song on a movie, I could literally list a, a ton of things, but obviously playing the opera would be like, I don't know if I'd cry the whole time or actually be able to sing. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen uh, two or three shows there and just walking in, it gives you chills. So mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine stepping on that stage, stepping in the inner circle there. Absolutely. I was just at the Ryman too. Uh, a couple months ago that we celebrated 10 years of whiskey jam being happening and literally whiskey jam sold out the Ryman without a lineup. That is the only brand that's going to be able to sell at the Ryman without a list of artists that are performing. And it was like every single artist came out, like all the big names came out and played their like one song. And it was just the coolest night. They even had Randy Travis saying like one little note. Uh, but it was, yeah, so just to, to be a part of this community is, is really, really special. And like Nashville's the heart of it. It really, really is. If you want to do what I'm doing, it's Music City is where you got to be. Yeah. So how can our listeners support you? Oh, geez. Uh, that was so was <laughs> I still say you guys. I will not say y'all because I'm from Wisconsin. I'm yep. a Scotty girl through and through. I would love for you guys to support your home state girl and literally jam the songs, add them to playlists, tell people about them. Word of mouth is the best, especially for any independent artist. She's like, Hey, I know this girl from Wisconsin. You should check out her music or you should come and see her at a show. And maybe then I'll make, I'll turn them into a new thirsty fan. Um, but yeah, just word, word of mouth that, that, you know, this girl from Wisconsin that's trying to do her thing in Nashville would be a super big help. And you're, you're in Wisconsin a lot. You come back and perform a lot. So um, I am. Yeah. I also, because we're on the Wisco legacy podcast, which I love because we are all very proud. I actually was just talking. I was just at a place called Doghouse, watching the Packer game with two, one Scotty that lives here. And then another guy, Brady Lee, who lives up in Wisconsin, does the Milwaukee area. He was visiting. So he reached out to me. We were watching the Packer game together. And I posted on the Facebook group. I don't know. You, you probably don't know this, but I have a Facebook group in Nashville called Wisco Nashies. And it's people that are from Wisconsin that live in Nashville. And we just like chat and tell each other where we're watching the game and whatever. Like, it's just a little Facebook group. 
for us to keep in contact. Uh, but I was also going to say, I have performed at the official Badger tailgate uh, before everything went down with the pandemic. So I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back for that and um, eventually releasing my Scani song. So we'll look for that, you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm super excited for that. I'm really excited about this album. Uh, one thing mm-hmm. that I feel like the music music in general people are gravitating more towards singles and quick hitting stuff so it's exciting that you're putting your whole heart into an album do you have a a date yet you're launching that or still to be determined so there are dates in the works i'm in the middle of switching the uh the pr arm of the company which uh we operate used to be called thirsty jones llc now it's cross house of entertainment LLC. So we are switching that position and that's a very vital position uh, for promotion. So that's no, no dates that I can discuss yet, but I'm really pumped. It's 11 songs. If you buy the physical copy, which is available on my website right now, uh, it has two bonus tracks, which are singles I already put out, Gotta Do and Delusional. And yeah, my latest single, Bird is on there and all the things, but this is, this is my baby. So if you want to get it to your house, you can just order it on the website. Um, so we have some rapid fire questions. We ask all okay. our guests here about Wisconsin. So first thing that comes to mind, I got three of them here for you. Okay. What's your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Mickey's Jerry Bar. Mickey's, that's an- I miss it. So yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. Are they like- were they able to reopen? I'm not sure. I haven't. I need around. to look at that because that was like that brings back memories for sure. Oh yeah, just down the road from Edgewood by Camp Randall. Yeah. Yeah, right in the mm-hmm. corner where everything's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one might be a tough one for you because okay. you are you do go to a lot of events here in Wisconsin and you perform at some. What's your favorite event in Wisconsin? I mean, first thing that came to mind, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Beer, bacon and cheese fest in New Glarus was, it was pretty awesome. Like beer, bacon and cheese. I don't feel like I have to say much more. Like yep. obviously there's, there was brats available there, but like beer, bacon, cheese. That's it. That, that's <laughs> Wisconsin right there. Yep. In a nutshell. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I literally like- heard that, that, um, I, when I heard about the festival, I was like, I must play that. I must play mm-hmm. that because of the title. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you down to cheese days in Monroe at some point in time. Yes. Uh, so we'll work I on need that. To follow up with them. We were just talking about that. Yeah. I, that's on my bucket list. It really is. All right, I well, love that area. It's so cute. Awesome. Last rapid fire question. Where's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin? <sighs> oh, I'm you just reminded me at the union. I, I have the union is the place, but I just recently was back at Bailey's run winery in the glares and a fan gave me earrings that match the chairs to the Memorial union. And they're like yellow and they match the circle backs of the chairs. And it was just such a simple gift, but meant so much to me because I feel like then when I wear them, whether it's in Florida or, or anything, they're so bright and they make me so happy. They make me feel 
close to home. So Mm -hmm. that is one of the best places to play on any good old summer night, listening to music, getting a picture, you know, bringing your own snacks, whatever. Uh, Lots of memories there. Yeah. You can't beat it. (laughs) All right. Last, last question I ask every guest here, uh, when all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? This is such a great question. It is really, really extremely important to me to leave a legacy that essentially tells people you can do whatever you set your mind to. And a lot of my music is very positive. It's very about that, just written in different ways. Um, But I think there's so many people out there that are afraid to pursue their passion, the passion that was given to them in their heart, and maybe just not aware that the longing has been planted there for them to to live it, to enjoy this time on on the planet. So that's that's really important for me, just just to be essentially an example to tell people that just whatever you want to do, like go after it. And um, that's, I literally, after shows, when I see little girls come to the merch booth and I get to take pictures and talk to them, I look them straight in the eye and tell them, remember, you can do anything that you want to do or set your mind to. And I think that's a really special moment. Absolutely. Well, I know you've put a lot of heart and soul into your career and uh, I wish you all the best. And I feel like you're, you're just getting started, but you're still, uh, you're going to move forward and uh, do a lot of things, accomplish a lot. I appreciate the time today, Kirstie. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on Wisco Legacy. Oh, thank you so much. You know, when that day comes and I'm playing the Opry, you better send me a message and say congratulations because I'm going to make sure that happens. And I can't, I can't even express gratitude enough the fact that we got to talk today and the podcast today was from my home state. Like I I just really, really appreciate it. And thank you for having me, Corey. 